what's up guys this is Danny and Abe coming to you second to last time before we're gonna finish off and today we're gonna be talking about David so just to get a little, a little bit of context we see that he is the son of Jesse and he is the youngest of eight sons um, now I want you guys to picture this how many of you guys out there are the youngest one in the family I assume that many of you that are, um, we usually tend to be picked on more than the others. I personally am or was the youngest one for like the longest time ever until my little brother came along. And then even now with him, like I, I'm still treated like the youngest one. And we see that being the youngest one in the family, we often at times get picked on, overlooked underestimated and so forth and this is what happens to david yeah and <clears throat> david once again he's so special to us able because david is the one that's chosen by god and when they go and um he goes and checks the other kids he's like oh you may be talking about my older son he's very strong or maybe my middle child but then he sees david which isn't what would you say physically really that he's not big or fat but he's not physically fit mm-hmm. but God says no this is the one that I have this is anointed one this is the one I want to use definitely and then yeah even though we see that he isn't physically strong at least to some people's uh, appear at least to the appearance and perspective of some people we see that he's still very strong um, and we see that one really good thing that he does is that he takes his job very seriously. And being the youngest one, he he oftentimes had the tedious job. In this instance, he had the, te- the tedious job of being a shepherd, taking care of his father's sheep. And like I said, he took his job very seriously. He never once did it just for the sake of doing it, mm-hmm. but rather because he wanted to and he really cared about his father's sheep. Uh, we see that... Even as a young child, he's very committed to his work, and we see that he's actually very strong, regardless of his appearance. We see that he kills a lion and a bear with his own hands in order to protect his sheep. <laughs> a joke. He killed a lion and a bear with his bare hands. But uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but but it was the strength of God and his faith in the Lord. And Definitely. his brother sometimes will even get a little upset with him. Why are you coming down here, David? Just just to be nosy, to see what's going on in the war. What are you doing this for? But he knew his job. He done it well. He didn't have the best job. He didn't have a job that was, hey, you're going to go to war, which is something when people went to war, they were looked at with respect, and they were looked up as high up. But he, he, he did. He, he endured his job, and he did it to the best of his ability. But he had a sovereign love for the Christ. And he he may have been, let's say, five with five, but with Christ, he felt like he was 10 feet tall because he knew whose war he was fighting in. Definitely. And this is something really important to keep in mind. No matter what obstacle we're facing, it could be something far bigger than us. We must always remember that if we have, if we have God by our side will always win the fight because we're not the ones that will be fighting, but it is God that will be fighting for us. Uh, in uh, 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. 
So always keep this in mind whenever you're facing with some struggle or hardship. Right. And uh, that's a lot of, like, back home, my pastor, he she usually say a lot that God did not give us a, a spirit of fear. That did not come from the Lord. But rather, he gave us a spirit of strength and a, a spirit to be brave. And that be brave through him that when we are weak, we are strong. That when we are weak, he is strong, and we're made perfect with the Lord. And I feel like that's how David felt. Definitely. So as we go on, we see that David goes and checks on his brothers who were in the army along with King Saul. And they were facing the Philistines. And whenever we go in a fight, we usually put our strongest people out in the front. Because a lot of times the key to winning something is intimidation so they sent the philistine philistines sent out their biggest guy who was biggest and strongest guy who was goliath and he goes out there and they're not actually fighting they're at this point it's sort of a of a cold war in between the israelites and the philistines uh and the philistines they're like the underdogs here they're not really saying anything anything it's the philistines that are saying pretty much everything and we see that goliath is threatening them and he's making fun of them and not only them but he's making fun of god <coughs> and that is a very dangerous thing to do ephesians 4 29 says that no unwholesome word pro proceed from your mouth but only such a word that is uh, that is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear and we see Goliath is doing the exact opposite. He's making fun of the Israelites, God's chosen people, and he goes further on to make fun of God. And in Exodus 27, it says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished, who takes his name in vain. And we see that Goliath, although he's spitting out all these negative things about the Israelites and about God, we see that he has his end destined and he's going to have a miserable ending. Right. And almost this story kind of, if you just key in, look for the comparison, this story reminds me of humans, like in the world that we live in now. You have, you have this battle with these people, as far as when you have this battle with these people that um, they don't worship God. In fact, they send their biggest giant out to fight and he's almost mocking God and he's saying if your God is so strong where's your fighter at now where's your fighter and you have all these people that claim to be believers they're strong men that are honored at their home they're scared they don't want to come out and fight them and this happened for a while he kept asking where's your fighter where's your fighter and no one showed up so as we go on, we see that David, regardless of the fact that he's really small, his previous instances with the bear and the lion prepares him for this specific moment. And you know, always keep in mind that even the smallest things, although they're, they're really insignificant to us, sometimes God uses these small things to prepare us for big and victorious destinies. Um, we see that David is courageous and he wants to go fight Goliath. Um, so as the story goes on, we see that King Saul gives David all his armor. And we have to keep in mind that David was a pretty small kid and Saul was a grown man. So we have to keep in mind that 
not only was his armor really heavy and it was also really big like none of it fit him and one thing to learn from this is that a lot of times people hide behind hide behind what they consider their strengths uh such as wealth uh different kinds of possessions and stuff like that however we must remember that our strength is found in god not in our possessions and this is kind of what Saul was leaning towards. He thought that all these <coughs> armor would, would, would help David and stuff like that. But in the end, we see that David th takes all these all these things off because for him, it's there's no point of having it on because it's not going to help him any bit. But he simply trusts in God and he all he does is goes and gets his slings and picks up five stones. And yeah. And you know, when, when, when David decided that, hey, none of you guys are going to man up and fight him, then I will. He was so confident. He almost didn't even hesitate because he knew that he knew that the Lord loved him and he's beating the bear. He's beating the lion. Why, that, why can't why can why can he not why can't he not be a man that's right in front of him? Definitely. And, and um, when he does when he does proceed to fight to fight Goliath. He's given all he's given all these all these equipment like a shield, a helmet, and he picked these things up and they're heavy. But not only that, they just don't feel right. He don't he can't move the way he, he's used to moving. They don't fulfill his purpose the way God fulfills his purpose. And that's kinda like us when um in the world that we live in when we're not transformed like Romans twelve talk about the renewing of our mind. When we put temporary things in our body, whether that's alcohol or that's partying, your friends say, you can have sex before marriage, but none of those fulfill what God can fulfill, and they don't feel right because you belong to Christ. And so um, when he takes his armor off, he picks up he picks up five smooth stones, and he has his slingshot, the same thing that he had before to kill the lion and the bear. But what is really impressive is that his confidence is in the Lord before he faces David. Definitely. I mean, before he faces the Goliath. <laughs> Definitely. And another thing to keep in mind is to never underestimate those who are younger than us. Um, we've seen, we see like all throughout history that sometimes it's the younger people that, that have more courage than us and know things better than we do. And in this instance, we see that uh, David, regardless of the fact that, that he's really little, we see that he reminds all of Israel, including the king of Israel, Saul, that it's God who will have the ultimate, um, the ultimate victory. And one thing I remember as a little child, or I don't personally rem remember this, but my parents told me that <clears throat> one time some bully was messing around with my, uh, my older brother. He's mm -hmm. two years old years older than me and I've heard this I one. I completely don't remember this but they said I just went up to the bully and like started pushing him oh. <laughs> I've heard <laughs> regardless this of the, regardless of the fact that he was much bigger than me so always keep in mind that it's sometimes the the little people that will actually stick it stick it out to us and show us how important they truly are and with this story you know which we all know, um, when he when he goes up to Goliath, Goliath is making fun of him. He says, "You sent this little bitty boy," and um, let's just stop right there, 
There's plenty of times where the Lord said, very, very, I tell her, these children will be first. They will be the teachers. And he makes fun of them. You send this boy against me? He was almost insulted. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe he even calls uh, David a dog. Wow. Uh, well, every dog has his day because um, <laughs> David sure has his day against Goliath. And he makes fun of God. And um, he makes fun of he makes fun of David, and he says, "What are you going to defeat me with these rocks and this slingshot?" And Goliath's, I mean, David just calmly just pretty much tells him, "You fight, you fight other men that doesn't worship the same God that I worship. You fight men that have swords and chills, but I come to you in the power of Jesus Christ, and I know that God will save me, and I will defeat you. And you want to carry on what happened in the fight." Definitely. So he, we we see that he goes on, and we see that David, even at at a young age, he's very, not to say vicious, but he's he's a warrior. We see that not only does he kill uh, Goliath, but afterwards he we see that he goes and uh, beheads Goliath, like <coughs> carries his head around so the Israelites can see. So as as we go on, we see that. Once all this happens, we see that this is when David starts to shine. And we see that he starts fighting in other battles and stuff like that. And he kills so many people. We see that he kills far, he starts killing far more Philistines than Saul does. Uh, in Samuel 18, in 1 Samuel 18 verse 7, it says, As they danced, speaking about all the women that were dancing, basically like the cheerleaders of those days. It says, they sang. Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. And we see that at this point, Saul is uh, becoming very frustrated. We see that his focus gets off the people of Israel, and we see that it goes on to himself. He becomes very self-centered, and he becomes very jealous of David because he gets all this praise and stuff like that. Abel, I have one question for you. Let's just go back to the fight real quick before we go on to that. I have one question for you. Two, probably. How many stones did David pick up? How many smooth rocks or stones did David pick up? Well, it says in the Bible that he picked up five stones. How many of those stones did it take for him to kill Goliath? It only took one stone. It only took one stone. And, you know, I, w- I, I was thinking when I was reading this story and hearing about it, I said, God, if you know that it only took him one stone to kill Goliath, why did he pick up more? And I feel like the Lord was telling me that he, he's faced one he's faced one giant. There's going to be more giants in your life, so get ready. But have faith in me. Maybe that's why he picked up more than one, to show us that when we defeat one giant, there's going to be more. But have faith in me. Because he only had to pick up one, but he picked up more than one. And um, I also have another question for you. When, when they were saying David has killed tens of thousands how do you think that made that made Saul feel I mean we clearly see that this gets Saul really stressed and really depressed so much so that at one point he even uh, calls upon David to play the harp because we see that David is really good at playing the harp and so he uh, he calls upon David to play the harp for him in order to soothe his uh, stress and try to get him to calm down and one good thing not necessarily related to the bible that we see from this is that music is very beneficial especially as students um also keeping in mind like what type of music we listen to 
um, but like good music, such as specifically classical music, Christian music, and stuff like that, not like hard rock, can easily like soothe our str- our stress and like encourage us and stuff like that. Especially as we're going through the final weeks of a semester, dealing with all these projects and assignments and exams and stuff like that. Correct. And it's just even 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 when he called him in to play his music, he could have been like, "Ah, oh, I kill more than him. Why do I gotta even still listen to this man?" But he always, even from a little boy, he did his job, and he came in and he did it to the best of his ability. Absolutely. Um, so as the story goes on, we see that. At one point, Saul's nerves and stuff like that are are gone for at least a moment of, of, of the time. Except afterwards, we see that he develops a hatred for David once again, and he tries his <coughs> best to kill him. And so at one point, we see that David is running away from Saul, and mm. we see that God is still protecting him. We see that... We know that uh, Samuel had anointed him to be the king, and yet it's so amazing to see that David still remains loyal. Instead of getting as many people as he can, telling them, look, I have been anointed uh, by God through Samuel to be the next king. Instead of getting, uh, telling uh, people about this and getting them to fight for him and kill Saul, we see that he's very loyal to him and he does not lay a single hand upon him. We see that he even has a chance to kill Saul because he and all his men are asleep in the cave. And we see that David is really smart about it. We see that he he doesn't lay a hand on him, but yet he (coughs) shows Saul his loyalty to him, shows him that he could have killed him by... Uh, cutting off a piece of his garment. And then when he wakes up, we see that David is off at a distance, showing him the piece of of his um, garment that he tore off. And again, at this point, we see that Saul becomes very humble, but only for a while. And after that, after that little while, he goes right back to hitting David. And you have David where he came and he defeated Goliath for the Lord and for his country. And then for this king, and then you have the same king that tells his son, basically, why are you sharing? Don't you know that he's going to take your spot once I pass away? Why are you sharing? You should be nervous. You should be jealous almost. And you have David that knows all of this, still plays the music escape from away from him because the man was trying to kill him and then seeing the man to be quite frank with you using a number two using the restroom and he could have killed him but instead of doing that he cut off a piece of his garment and you know what he tells him i could have killed you but i didn't and that just shows his integrity his loyalty and his love for christ that if that was you, you have someone trying to kill you, and you have the chance to kill them, but you don't do it because the Bible says, thou shalt not kill. But you rather you show them love, and you still serve them. And, De- definitely. And um, and then after the fact, after that happens, he still tries to kill him. So carry on, Amy. 
So as the story goes on, we see that David still remains faithful to God and he still remains loyal to Saul. However, he stays on the DL, um, trying to stay away from Saul. And as the story goes on, we see that um, finally a message uh, reaches Saul that he is going to die in the next battle. And we see that Saul really wanted to uh, speak with Samuel, who at this point was already dead. And so he goes to a witch who supposedly had the ability to speak to the souls of the dead, which we know she didn't, but she claimed that she did. And at this point, we see not only God's, um, God's providence at work here, but we also see a little bit of his humor in here. Mm -hmm. uh, we see that he goes to the witch and he asks for her to uh, make a way so he could speak to uh, Samuel. And we see that God makes Samuel's spirit rise up from, from the grave. And we see that when this happens, we see that the witch is really startled. Mm -hmm. And we see that in the Bible, it says that she screamed when she saw Samuel. And this is where Samuel delivers the message to Saul that he is going to die. And so instead, instead of repenting, and asking God for forgiveness, we see that Saul still goes on his normal way. And he ends up going in battle. And just as Samuel has had prophesied, we see that Saul finally meets his end. And <clears throat> Saul, the crazy thing is Saul, he knew this was happening. And he reigned for such a long time. But... He wasn't content with the time that the Lord had gave him. He didn't almost as if he didn't cherish the moment. He was so he was so greedy that he wanted more and more and more. And not even after that, but he wanted his son to take the role. But his son was nothing like him. His son was almost as if, if hey, if David's going to be a better king than me, then he's fit to be king if that's who the Lord has. And so we see we see the way Saul is and we see the way his son is, and it's two different types of hearts. Definitely. Uh, we see that, although we kind of overlook this, we see that uh, Jonathan, one of his sons, we see that he's very loyal and faithful to God. And we see that he chooses right over, over even his family. Instead of siding with his father and trying to kill uh, David, we see that he's very loyal and he sticks to what is right, even though it went uh, against what his father wanted. And we see that he's, re he's really good friends with David and he tries to help him in every way he's, he can. Correct. And it just shows also that like... um that even 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 to even now if even if some people at TFC I've heard testimonies where they've even left their faith they've even left the faith of a different religion to come to Christianity and their parents totally agreed and so they'll there I just see that now there will be times that you'll disagree with your parents but make sure it's ran through the word and it's for the right reasons definitely um so as we move on we see that David goes on with his life, finally becomes crowned as king of Israel. And we see that at one point, instead of going and fighting with his with his men in uh, whatever battle they were in, we see that 
at one point he becomes sort of lazy if you if you will and he stays in his um in his palace uh during this one battle and as he's looking out over part of Israel, we see that his eyes come upon uh, Bathsheba, who is bathing on top of her house. And a lot of times we th we we think about it and we're like, why in the world would she be bathing on top of her house? Like that's so immoral and stuff like that. However, it was very common for like people to bathe on top of their houses during that time. Um, so like at, at that point she wasn't doing anything wrong, but Deva on the other on the other hand saw her and this is where lust started kicking in. He saw her, he saw that she was very pure, beautiful, and uh, that lust led into um, led into um, selfishness. And we see that he goes and takes Bathsheba and he sleeps with her, and then. When her husband comes home, her husband who is uh, Uriah, we see that he's very uh, he's very righteous, and somehow he found out that he's that she slept with David, and so he doesn't want to sleep with her anymore. Um, and um, even though David commanded it, but we see that he's very righteous, and we see that uh, David because of this. Uh, because all of all his previous sins, uh, because of the lust and then because of his adultery, we see that that leads him into another sin and he kills Uriah. We see that he puts him on, on the front of the line in order to be killed by the Philistines. And this just shows us that no one is perfect. No one is perfect at all. And that when you sin once, just, it's not, oh, let me just continue to sin because I messed up once. No, repent, act, confess, repent, and ask, ask God for forgiveness, confess and repent, and change your ways. Definitely. Um, and one interesting quote that I found is by Eliza Cook, who said, Sin is like a ripple effect. She says, Sins are like circles formed in the water when a stone is thrown into into it one produces another we see this ripple of effect like i said before one sin leads into another and it keeps on growing and growing yeah and you know a lot of people i've heard people say oh well david didn't know that her husband would die if he sent him off date but the lord knew his heart and um it was clear that he was sending him off toward the highest sin because he had gotten Bathsheba. He had gotten Bathsheba pregnant, and he sent him home early so that he could have sex with his wife. But this man was so loyal to so the So that way it could look like Uriah had the baby instead of him. Yeah. So, yeah, anyways. Uh, so as we go on, we see that um, David commits all these sins, and we see that he really isn't, he doesn't really give much thought to it. And because of this, uh, because he didn't want to repent, we see that God punishes him and he makes the baby that he had with Bathsheba to die. And we see at first he's very depressed and we see that he doesn't eat anything. He puts sackcloth on and he prays so that he prays to God so that the baby won't die. But God still ends up taking the baby. Um, 
And at one point in 2 Samuel 12, 23, it says, I can't bring him back to life. Someday I will go to him, but he cannot come back to me. And from this, we kind of go off on a little bit of tangent. And we see that babies and little children, they will, we see that they will go to heaven, even though, um, even though they didn't really accept Jesus in their hearts. Because we see that uh, although they have a sinful nature within them, we see that they are innocent and they haven't reached that point of understanding. Good point, good point. No, I don't have any comments. You know. All right, so as we go on, we see that um, David commits a lot more sins throughout his life. However, because of this one instance with Bathsheba and many others, we see that after he commits that sin, we see that he is very repentive and we see that he tries to make it up to God as best as he can. And we see that he is so faithful to God and um, so trustworthy and tries to make up for his sins. And we see that he writes almost an entire book. He writes so many Psalms within the book of Psalms. Um, and he writes all kinds of different psalms. Uh, some are psalms of mourning, such as in Psalm 51, and some are psalms <clears throat> of praise, such as in Psalm 150, which says, Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So as we see, as he goes on, we see, as King David goes on, we see that he makes a lot of mistakes, but then right after he makes them, he thinks about it, and he immediately goes to God and asks for forgiveness. And in the end, we see that although King David wasn't perfect, we see that he was still a very good person. And in the end, we see that God even calls him a man after his own heart. And um, he did make <clears throat> he made many of songs, and there was one famous one that um, my Christian mentor actually showed me, and... I came to him, I said, you know, I've really messed up big, and um, I've, I've, I've just, I've, I've sinned greatly. I don't know if God can forgive me. I've sinned so much, and I'm just really down, and I'm hurt. And he, and he, and he sent me to Psalms, and it's what David had written to God, and he just said this. This is in Psalms 40, 12. He said, um, for my troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head, and my heart fails within me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. Hurry, O Lord, to help me. And this is when David was just crying out to God. He realized that he messed up with Bathsheba. He'd gotten her husband killed. He continued to sin, and he, he needed help. He just cried out to the Lord, and he said, God, please. I'm drowning in my sin. I need you, Lord. Please save me. And sure enough that God came and he saved them and he had forgiven them. And he did call him a man after God's own heart. And that just shows us that, that just shows us that you have David, a guy that's crazy for the Lord that goes into battle as a young, as when he was younger, 
then takes role as king. And then he also sins when he's older. And throughout all that, that no one is perfect. And he says, God, just please save me. I've sinned so much. Can you please save me? And the Lord saves him. And that's how it is with us that no matter what sin we commit or how far away we think we are from God, that we can call on to him, we can cry out to him, and he will save us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Definitely. And that pretty much ends the story of David. We hope you guys enjoyed. We hope you guys will take what you have learned today and apply it to your lives. And remember that no matter what circumstances you're facing, God will see you through as long as you have faith and trust in him. And no matter what you do, um, if you do something wrong, remember to always come to repentance as soon as possible and ask God for forgiveness. Yeah, I, um, I totally agree. And that in life, we all are going to face Goliath. So just pick up your slingshot and your rocks and keep your faith in the Lord. Thank you guys for tuning in with us.